In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson and welcome to episode 411 of our ongoing exploration of the immersive cosmos this week it's a very special episode of no pro last call at the sublight lounge i've gathered a special panel filled with members of our team and community from across the united states all to say farewell to Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, the ahead-of-its-time immersive experience created by Walt Disney Imagineering that the Disney company closed at the end of last month in Orlando after a year and a half of voyages. Coming to share their experiences and what they think the legacy of the Halcyon will be are Theme Park and Infinite Rabbit Holes designer Dave Cobb, Emmy Award-winning interactive storyteller Jay Bushman, magician and immersive experience producer James Lopez, NoPro's own Leah Davis and Anthony Robinson, and returning guests from our NoPro Goes to the Galactic Star Cruiser episode, immersive creator Jessica Crean, director of Gaming Pathways at City College of New York, Nicholas Fortuno, and former NoPro executive editor Catherine Yu. So, you know, just a few friends. You're going to find all kinds of goodies in the show notes from this episode, right alongside links to October's call sheet, a quick review rundown, and links to our two upcoming meetups. If you didn't know about those, first, there are just three tickets left as I record this for the New York City Immersive Meetup, which is coming up on October 9th at Culture Lab LIC, with featured guests from Linked Dance Theater, whose The Incomplete Collection just launched, and Transforma Theater. And RSVPs are now open for our meetup at the Roguelike Tavern in Burbank on October 16th, where we will be doing a live podcast with Scarlett Kim, talking about an exciting event coming to Arizona State University's Mix Center, the Speakeasy Society returning to the show after a long hiatus to tell us about their upcoming work this winter in Orange County, and Roguelike Tavern owner John McCormick, to share what's on the horizon for immersive programming at the community hangout there in Burbank. Plus, folks can stick around and meet other members of the LA immersive community. Now, we have just 75 RSVPs in total for this, and a third of them are already gone. So hop on it, check the show notes, and RSVP for our LA meetup. It's going to be quite the collection of folks. Now, absolutely none of what we do, none of the choices we make, none of the agency I have in this world would be possible without our incredible Patreon backers. Since last we spoke, we've gotten three new backers, Shiloh Gooden, Frank Lawler, and Reed. And right now we are just 13 backers away from our spooky season goal of hitting the 450 backer milestone. We can do this but only with the help of those who haven't jumped in yet. Now, if you aren't, if you are someone who's already gone 
to patreon.com slash no proscenium and shown your support. The best way to keep helping us is to share the podcast or one of the articles you found useful, like the call sheet, which lists professional opportunities and immersive on your social media platform of choice. And you do have so many to choose from these days. We are always no proscenium except on Instagram and on threads where we are no underscore proscenium. As always, big thanks to our sustaining backers, Samuel Mustry, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, John Boulette, Cameo Wood, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentis, Kurt Collins, Wynne Thorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, Lecker LeCool, the Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. And hey, if you've got an event you're doing, an immersive event you're doing, and you want to hook up our community with deals, hit me up at noah at noprosinium.com for details. We would love to connect the community with some special discounts and the whatnot. All right. Enough of me until you get... Actually, it's pretty balanced this episode. Uh, let's get into our last call at the Sublight Lounge. Welcome to the chaos, everybody. Uh, this is Last Call in the Sublight Lounge, a no-pro after dark special. We have a whole lot of voices with us here tonight. I'm going to call them out. Uh, and get them to tell us their, uh, their their name on the Halcyon, if indeed they took another name, uh, and the the date of their cruise. Uh, as I probably mentioned in the cold open, I sure hope I mentioned the cold open. Uh, this discussion is a is taking place after the final voyage of the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser set sail and has now been uh, put into port. Uh, until such time as we can Cory Doctorow this MFR and uh, and steal it from the company. That's uh, that's not a real thing we're going to do. Wink, wink. Uh, we're going to start. Uh, I'm going to do this based on the board I'm looking at of all these shiny, happy faces. Uh, James Lopez, uh, you were recently on board. Uh, identify your character name and when you went. And that also Great. helps everyone know your voice. Great. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm James. My character's name was Quixote, and I went uh, September 24th through the 26th. Uh, a returning guest to the podcast and to our, our shenanigans uh, on the Halcyon is uh, Nick Fortuna. Uh, yes, Nick Fortuna. I was playing Syndek Pack, um, who you may have heard about in a previous podcast was a, uh, a fixer and 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 eventually resistance agent real life fixer uh who along with uh no pro backer cameo wood smuggled a lot of people onto the halcyon the former executive editor of no pro and it always uh welcome to the homecoming guest uh and a member of our crew Catherine Neal. Catherine, who are you on board Hello. Uh, I was Colleen Finnell, a holodrama producer, and I was on board with uh, some of the folks who are on this episode, which I'll give them a chance to introduce themselves. Uh, next in line, from my point of view, is uh, longtime No Pro backer, uh, indeed part of the origin story of No Pro, that'd be Jay Bushman. Oh, uh, I went, uh, my journey was September 6th. 
uh, and I played Jeremy Mothma, a uh, distant relation. Actually, my wife, who came with me, she was a, a distant relation of the Mothma clan. We're from Shandrilla. I was a, a hollow documentary uh, uh, producer. I had just finished a really arduous uh, shoot about the nerf herders of Tanab, and this was a well-deserved vacation. And Tanab, Tanab nerf herding is one of the more difficult uh, nerf herding environments, uh, and and we'll we'll hear more from Jeremy uh, about uh, nerf herding on Tanab in a bit. Uh, another longtime friend of the show and uh, one of the one of the the, the stars of the themed entertainment galaxy uh, theme park designer and infinite rabbit holes uh, team designer Dave Cobb. We are very lucky to have someone like you on this show. Thank you very much. I'm so thrilled to be here with this fine group of nerds. You're my people. Um, my, I was a shady antiquities dealer named Flynn. Uh, last name on a need to know basis. Uh, th- that was a nod to my my fandom of Tron. So that's why I called myself Flynn. Um, I uh, I actually was uh, served in the in the uh, rebellion during the uh, uh, liberation of Kashyyyk, and I ended up going native and staying there like a beach bum, and uh, working for the Wookies and helping them out, making a lot of Wookie Wookie friends because of the beard, and uh, 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 saw the rise of the First Order and decided that I can't fight anymore, but maybe my shady antiquities dealing business can help out, and so that's why I took a, a cruise on the Halcyon as an intel gathering mission. All right. No Pro New England correspondent, Leah Davis. Wow, I love that you guys were all um, media folks because I boarded the Halcyon as Lanu Dov, Sludge News reporter, uh, up and coming. All the news that's fit. And I came equipped with my all access pass badges. I came equipped ready to interview absolutely everyone, get all the dirt, um, none of it important or interesting, all of it fantastic. See, this is because Shendril Starlines invited a lot of influencers on this cruise since it was an anniversary <laughs> cruise, right? So like this is they were it was impacted with media. This and somehow powerful. Lanu managed to get on too. So, you know. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, look, Shandrilla Starlines uh, maybe a little laxer than uh, Disney Press when it comes to who they invite on. I'll just I'll, I'll put that out there. Um, long time uh, partner in crime uh, beyond no pro, Anthony Robinson. Uh Tell us, uh, tell us who you play when we Star Wars it up. Um, well, when we Star Wars it up, I am uh, on on planet and uh, on the Halcyon. I was uh, Roan Father. That's my name there. Uh, I, by way of Jellucan, because there's there's a deep cut for you guys who, uh, uh, who if you guys have read some Star Wars uh, young adult novels. Um, by way of Jellucan through Lothal, met one person from Lothal the entire time. I was I was really thrilled. Um, but yeah, uh, also, you know, fixer, co-pilot engineer, um, that guy, you know, everybody knows the guy. I was that guy. So, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And last but not least, also a member of our crew, uh, along, along with Nick, Catherine, and uh, Graham Wetterhan, who is in uh, Copenhagen right now, so he can't be with us. He's on a real trip. Uh, Jessica Crean. Hey, Jessica. Hello. I played Mayor Fabe Woshi, who, unlike everyone uh, who has spoken so far, had no skills, really, whatsoever, to contribute to the journey, um, but was definitely an ambitious upstart naive intern who really believed that everybody could just get along i love that you were my intern 
I was delighted to be your intern. I was so game. <laughs> I'm so ready to bring on the challenges. For, so for those who want to dive more into Catherine, Nicholas's, and Jessica's and myself's, uh, there's a whole episode dedicated to that uh, that's actually hosted by uh, Michael Tara Garver, who is one of the creators, one of the lead creatives on the project. Uh, it's a great episode. You can flip back to it. It's called No Pro Goes to the Star Cruiser or Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, we're going to talk two things tonight. Uh, one, for those who haven't been here on the show talking about their experience, I have just one question, which was, you know, what was the moment for you? What was what was the moment, uh, either the one that kind of brought you in or just sort of the culminating spot where you're just the thing you're going to hold on to forever? And then after everyone goes uh, who hasn't had a chance to go like us, uh, we're going to talk about the legacy. Uh, what is going to be the legacy of the Halcyon in the immersive world uh, and, uh, and and kind of get down to brass tacks. But first, first we celebrate. We celebrate this glorious thing that was made. James, uh, I've been I've been dying to hear about your adventure uh, for a hot minute because of some of the things you were telling me you were planning. What was your moment? Um, there were a lot and, and Catherine and I have been talking about it and she just keeps texting me. I've heard tales, tales of what happened in my experience. Um, but it was like, there was a handful of experiences that kind of like blew me away and the whole entire thing. So to give a backstory to my character. So my character's name was Quixote. I'm from Jeddah and my grandfather's grandfather says that we were actually originally from Tython. So we are super deep into the Jedi Order, and after the Empire came and destroyed the capital city of Jeddah, we went from being a wealthy family into street urchins. And so part of our whole entire like life was is that we're storytellers, and then we do street busking to be able to kind of make our ends meet and make the money that we need to do. And I decided to join the Halcyon to learn more stories about the Jedi, or, or sorry, the Jedi, and all the experiences that we have, and like bring those stories back to the people that I have. And so. Part of what my character was doing there was learning all of these stories, getting all these experiences, but then as a gift, I was sharing um, what I created was called Kyber Crystals. And so we were taking dead, broken Kyber Crystals from Jeddah, we were giving them to people, and then we were talking about how the Force gives the ability for people to transform them. And you use those to be able to transform them into the color of the Kyber Crystal that you want to do. And so for the whole entire trip, everybody I interacted with, I was giving them a Kyber Crystal and it would transform into a color and it would create something in an experience for them and there were like and so i did this as like just kind of like a fun silly little thing that i thought i was going to do but there were two moments that like really like i was like oh man i'm in a real world this is a real world where i'm like impacting real people's lives and being able to do it and there was um the first time that i did it was randomly to one of the random blue shirts and I just went over to him and we were just sitting there talking. And on my trip, everybody was like celebrating the blue shirts. It was this. So for those to those don't know, I'm just going to define oh, the blue shirts are the, the, the crew, the real crew of the Halcyon. They're the folks who are attendants. Uh, you know, they're, they're your waiters. They're the actual crew's crew. They don't have characters in of themselves, but they are a dedicated bunch of folks who make the whole thing possible. Yeah. And he was the first one that we met um, doing the onboarding. He was the one that we met in the first experience. And then he was the one um, that I got to meet at, I think, at like 11 o'clock at night after all the experiences were. And so him and I were talking. I was like, oh, hey, I was like, Do you, are you sensitive to the force? 
And he goes, uh, yes, I am. And I was like, cool, here are kyber crystals from my homeland of Jeddah. And I gave him one of the kyber crystals and we talked about like the experience of like how you're being force sensitive. And then I told him to open his hand. And when he opened it, it was a bright green color. And the, the blue shirt that I was working with just started to cry. And he like pulls his shirt up and he has these like goosebumps. Like you can see the literal goosebumps inside of him. And he just has this like moment with me where we were all like, oh my God, this is real. And like it immediately, no matter what happened, no matter how much playing I was doing or trying to get people to break character, we both like fell into it. And I was like, I'm on the Halcyon. I'm not talking to anybody else. I'm not talking to anything. This is me on the Halcyon. I am talking to a blue shirt, an actual person that works on this Halcyon ship. We are in space. This is a real thing. So that was the first one. And then on the second day, I did the same experience with Gaia. And we can talk a little bit about that later. I broke the game accidentally. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll get, we'll get we into you breaking the game. Later. Um, later. But, so we broke the game, but I got to do the same thing with Gaia. And so when we go over and I had the experience with her, I asked her if she was force sensitive. And we had the same thing and it turned blue. And Gaia in that moment, she broke character because it was so astounding for her. And she grabbed me. And pulled me aside and said, pretend that we're in experience, pretend we're in the story. And we just had this beautiful moment between the two of us. And like, she oh, started wow. crying. I started crying. We had this like great hugging moment on like the second night after like the, the grand robbery and everything. And I looked at her and I said, this is the experience. And she looks at me and goes, this is the experience. And it just, just broke me. And I was like, this is what it should be. So, Yeah. Same thing, two nights, but I was so deep into it that I could not, uh, it took me three days to pull myself out of it and be like, no, I was in, I was in space. Yeah. There's, there's a lot, there's a, particularly right now, I think even more so, uh, even for folks who are first time, uh, there's a lot of like difficulty pulling out one of our friends, like went on the last cruise and he's like having trouble, like readjusting. And I think some of that's like how many people are, how charged this got as I got closer to the end. Jay uh you're you're next up on my hit list here you're wearing my jacket uh by the way um you know it's, i gotta so follow that wow that's yeah i know <laughs> don't worry we're all it's all killer no filler here uh what what for you what was what was what was your your moment and we haven't i haven't got a chance to talk to james yet i haven't got a chance to talk to jay or dave or leah really talk to anthony a bunch but uh but this a lot this is fresh for me so like jay i'm i'm really curious because we've been talking about immersive since for 10 years 10 years we've been on this so two moments one big one small um the big one is there's you know the big the the the, the heist um of the hyananea uh at the end and rafe our rafe was incredible uh, orchestrating six or seven different groups of people to do stuff in the atrium. But my job was to take the handoff of the gem. And so I'm holding the gem while Captain Keevan is making Wraith empty his pockets. And as that scene is going on and I'm watching everyone else around, like looking like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And knowing it's not going to happen because I've got it. And when it was over, um, he like, uh, Rafe goes to like disperse and check all the other different groups and stuff. And then I found a moment to just walk up to him and shake his hand and palm the gem right to him in the middle of a crowd. 
and no one saw it. I just palmed the gem right back to him. And it just was smooth and perfect. So that was that was the big moment for me. The uh, the, the other one is a small moment. Um, I really, like one of my favorite things about the whole trip was having very little unscripted interactions with crew members. And at one point, I went up to one of the stormtroopers. And, you know, the stormtroopers can't actually talk to you, right? They, all their stuff is pre-recorded. So, so it's sort of limited what you can, what you can, uh, what you can uh, do with them. But I went up to them and I said, I have always wanted to ask a question. Does that uniform chafe? <laughs> and the stormtrooper paused and then very quickly nodded his head. Like very, very quickly. Um, and, I, and so then I followed up, wow, that's terrible. And they don't give you any kind of regimental ointment to help with that. And he paused and went, no, and shook his head like very vigorously. And just watching his helmet just sort of like shimmy while he was shaking. It was just, just a little beautiful, perfect moment. Lovely. Lovely, lovely. Like this is the thing, like everyone on board is committed. Well, almost everybody on board is committed to keeping it real and like creating this sense of like you're in a, in a real place. And, and even the folks who can't talk or who, who maybe only can say one word, maybe we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Dave, uh, you're you're next on my hit list here. Uh, I'm very, very curious. You've, you've written a, a big, piece about your experience uh we'll, we'll, we'll link that in the show notes for people who want to read up on uh, on your full full take but what was your was there a particular moment that brought you in or is there just a absolute highlight for you that you want to share so it's sort of it's sort of bookends it's two two small moments and and like all of you i go in through these things with sort of a, a balance of like analytical brain and wanting to give myself over to it right and 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 i always know when i'm enjoying something or something's really well thought out when I, when my analytical brain goes, see you later, and just goes away for a while, and, I, and I'm just in it. And that doesn't happen a lot, and it sometimes happens without me noticing it's happening, and that's when it really is firing off on all cylinders, right? And mine were two involving my Saja. And so I had already been very on board. I was playing along. I was giving enthusiastic consent. I was saying yes to everything. Like I was, my, my improv brain was like, I'm going to get every, squeeze every dollar out of this. Right. I was already on board, but I get to the lightsaber training and you guys know, like the, it's very cleverly crafted and how it's interactive in that it becomes when, when she asks you to just follow and not follow the beams, but follow the force, which I saw the sparkles in the wall. And I asked my friend it, early in it, I went, what is, is that supposed to be? He's like, shut up, shut up. You just stop, stop thinking, stop thinking, just do it. So I did, and I, and it was what I thought it was. It's the force. Okay, great. But I love that it becomes a no-fail game interactive where everybody gets it. And and my analytical brain turned off and I went, oh my God, I'm I'm in this. Like this is this is happening. Because I had no force sensitivity in my in my story at all at that point. And um my Saja Kier, who was just delightful, notices you me. You had Saja Kier. Ah, yes, she, yes. I, I feel an actual, like, actual connection to her. And that's where it comes at the end. Like, she saw me with just this shitty grin on my face. I'm just eight years old again, like, losing my mind. And afterwards, talks to me and notices I actually had my saber, my, my bounding saber, which is a Gen 1 Savis from 2019. That It's the elemental nature one. It has the big rancor tooth on the bottom. 
I worked it into my story because I'm from Kashik that it actually belonged to a uh, uh, Kirloka who was a, a, a Wookiee Jedi who was killed by the Sith and that I, it made its way through the, 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 the under, underground tra trade to me and I was bringing it back to his family. I didn't tell her this story. This was just my backstory of why I had it if I wasn't force sensitive. And so it goes on. We do our, we do our shore leave. We, we come back and um, <clears throat> I'm looking at my, my, uh, um, my itinerary and it, 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 I have a ton of things to do, but Kier sees me and she comes over and says, what are you doing at like seven o'clock? And I look at my schedule and I show it to her. She's like, okay, well, I need you in, I need you in the lightsaber training room then. And, and I, and I said, okay. And she said, I know you'll do the right thing. And so I did. And I ignored, I, I missed my bridge ending, by the way. I never got a bridge ending at all. But it ended up being the best ending for me because I went down there and I got the uh, holocron and I got the Yoda moment. And I was, in, I was a mess, guys. I was an absolute mess. Because not only was it this beautiful call to action from, from Yoda, it, it, I, again, I was 11 when Empire Strikes Back came out. Like that's, I was, I regressed. I was 11 years old. And getting that call to action personally. And on top of that, it's an illusion where it takes a lot to fool me on how things are done. And I was like, how the actual F, guys? Like, I've, ba I've backtracked and watched videos and I get it. But it's like, at the time, I didn't care. I was in it. That was a hot crown. Yoda was speaking me to the force, with through the force. So I had that moment. And then the, and then the bookend is, at the very end, um, after everyone is saying their goodbyes, and, and this real heaviness is like, we're all we all loved what just happened, but you can see it in the faces of the cast. They know this is not long for this world. I was on, I was there August 31st to September 2nd. So they knew this was coming to an end and you could see it in their faces. And I was saying honest goodbyes to everybody staying in character as much as I could. And Kier comes to me and she sits me down face to, I'm going to cry guys. She sits me down face to face and she says, holds me, holds both of my hands and looks at my face, looks at me deep in the eyes and says in character, she says, remember when I told you during training that I'd never seen physical evidence of the force? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I've seen it today. <laughs> and she burst into tears and I burst into tears and she says, thank you for being open to the force and following your heart. She stays in character, you know? So I try to stay in character too. And I said, I've heard these legends of the force since I was a child. And thank you for reconnecting me to these 53 year old, my, this 53 year old hearts, these stories that in a way that I didn't was possible anymore. And that what you guys are doing here is really special. And I cried and she cried. We hugged. And I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. You know, I did not expect this. <laughs> I was I was expecting pew pew and robots and all that's there. You know, that's that's it. And it does it really well. All the pew pew is fantastic. But it's does what any good theater does is that it's about connection. And I didn't only and I connected in this weird metal metal level that I was connecting with a character as a character, but with a human being performer as another person acknowledging her performance and her acknowledging mine. And I cannot, I tell my friends that I'm like, I cannot describe to you how powerful this was. It, it, it was sublime in the, is, is not a powerful, not, not a subtle enough word. Um, and so that, that was my, so I was left on this sort of cloud nine of, of emotion. I went to the sublight lounge that night, sublight lounge that night and drank myself silly because I couldn't sleep. I wandered the halls of the ship till like three in the morning because I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't want to go. <laughs> 
<laughs> this yeah. place is under my skin in a way that I didn't expect. So that's my, that's my moment. Um, I think our crew would give a big shout out to Saja Kier, who also played a, a critical part in our journey. Uh, definitely Syndic's, uh, Nick's journey, uh, but all of our journey. And uh, that performer um, actually like, we, we, we sent notes back to all of them. We, we sent thank you notes. And then uh, the, the performer for Kira reached out and was like, actually, I've been listening to No Pro for years. And like, it was really <laughs> amazing to like be there with you guys. And, oh, no and, shit, really? And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, you know, and and she, and she's probably listening right now. I'm embarrass her. So like, go hide your face or something. What do you need to do? Like, she's incredible. And like, what's, what, there's a secret power in certain immersive performers who have the ability to conjure up a moment for someone else and make it real and then bring that moment again. Right. Like, you know, uh, this is something that that performer does so well and it's absolutely authentic. And she's able to bring that on, on many a journey. And, yeah. and there's something almost guru like in that like it's almost a dangerous power and it's it's very good i'm so happy that it's in the hands of someone uh who who takes the time to connect with people because i detect no bullshit when yeah. when kier is in a moment with you i'm mean, um, i'm i'm blessed to be in a career that i see a lot of this stuff i see a lot of experiences mm -hmm. i have a lot of fun memories of things that i've seen like this but this was a core memory like th this, this is something I'm going to remember on my deathbed. Like it, it, it is, it rings exactly as true as seeing Star Wars for the first time or seeing Empire Strikes Back for the first time. It wow. absolutely hits that same spot for me. Wow. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, had no idea what you just said that did care listen to this. So I, I had been checking my effusive a little bit in previous podcasts, but now that I know that care listens to it, I'm just going to say it out loud. Very uncomfortable with superlatives. I don't, like using them so i can't bring myself to use it but so i will just hedge it and say maybe the single best interactive performer i've ever engaged with whoa i would absolutely second that one thousand percent because she honed in on i mean all interactive performers and especially in the housing they are looking at everybody and looking at your body language and figuring out where you are and they know where you are in the story because backstage and digital stuff and where you are on your pad they know all that and she just cut right through that. And she looked I'm, into my eyes in a way that I hadn't been engaged with by a performer in a very long time. I'm the type of I'm the type of audience member that I'm trying to break it. I'm trying to figure out where the cracks are in the world <laughs> and never felt that. I even at the moment like when the show was over. And James apparently just did that to the call too, because yeah. it just froze. We have found <laughs> scenes. Wait, am I back? Am I back? I'm back. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Back. What I was saying was, is that like, I'm the guy that tries to like break the character or break the characters, get to the actors, figure out where the flaws are. And every single experience I had on that ship, they never did. It was as human beings, as a connection between each other, but always in character. Even yeah. when we were crying and like having a real moment, it was in character. And I've never seen that level of professional theatrics ever. Yeah, no, that that that's that's a thing that kept coming up over and over with I think with everybody. Leah, what was what was what was the the moment for you? Well, I, I think like everyone else, I, I had so many moments. Um, 
and Dave, I was I was cheering along with your story because that that sublime interaction that you had with um, with a performer, I just I felt like I had those like I was microdosing that the entire trip. Um, it was just everywhere. Um, and Noah, yes, a, a, sometimes a phenomenal performer I think can really make a world come alive, but a phenomenal space can also make things come alive and can, can facilitate these kind of interactions, even between non-performers. Um, so I have a few, a few mini moments I'd like to share. Um, and I should preface this by saying, I'm aware of star Wars. Um, don't, don't kick me off, please. (laughs) I'm, I'm aware of it. I've seen most of the movies. Um, I never really cared about the story, especially, um, but the world always seemed kind of cool. I just didn't know where I fit into it. And having gone on this cruise, having gone to Batu, now I see where I fit in these mundane stories of living out in space. I mean, that's really for me. And now I'm getting goosebumps now because I, I want to be back there in that space, uh, telling my own and my friends' stories. So um, since this is a podcast, this makes so much sense. You guys can see this here, but um, this is the press notebook that I brought. My oh, wow. orange. Um, it says, what is the language? It's Arabesh. Arabesh is the, uh, is the alphabet, yes. Basic Great. is the language. Okay. Thank, thank you. I'm going to need a lot of hand-holding here. <laughs> Don't worry. But I'm I do like Wikipedia, so you're going to be okay. <laughs> so, um, Although Anthony can actually read that. so Well, uh, right. So, so for, for, if you can't see it, it's a little orange notebook. Um, it's got a um, Black Spire Outpost post logo on it and some Arabesh on the front. And I casually had put this down my first day on, um, on the table during dinner. And our server, uh, the person who was in charge of, of shepherding our table throughout the entire experience, casually walked by and said, oh, you're press. And I didn't even think about it. I just thought, oh, yeah, of course. And we tatted about it for a bit. And maybe five minutes after she walked away, I thought, holy crap. She just, no problem, like natively read Arabesh, <laughs> understood that it said press and engaged me with that. And it, it was glorious. It was <laughs> a, a completely perfect interaction um, that made me feel like, oh, wait, no, I'm not here to play a part. I'm, I'm in this world. Um, and, and this is how it goes. We all want to be here. Um, my other interactions that were super notable were mostly with um, other passengers, mm-hmm. primarily children. And guys, I don't know if this was your experience, but the kids on my trip were little fascists. Yes, there is there is yes. a principle that we, totally. Nick, I believe, coined it. Uh, maybe, not Nick, Nick Stick doesn't claim it. Yeah, somehow, was it Jessica? So one of us figured it out. I think it was you, ACAF. ACAF. All children, uh, all children are, are fascists. Wait, I was, uh, we, we got a chance to talk to one of the directors on site while we were there, and she confirmed that, yes, the First Order was specifically designed for children. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> it's specifically yeah. designed for children, that, and, and, and like I watched, there were these two boys uh, during our bridge training who were so excited to rat out their sister. Like, yes. It's about tattling. Right? All of them. It's, also, it's, just, it's about tattling. About- it's about tattling and getting in trouble and being the special, special boy yeah. If you're an adult who enjoyed the First Order storyline, don't feel bad. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It actually was a bit of a problem for us because my uh, a couple of people in our party were playing First Order, and they had a significantly less fun time than the rest oh. of us. 
that there was there was significantly less for them to do and the stuff that was there was geared towards children and it really started to feel like a like an oversight after a while mm. huh uh, well i, I, I want to hear more about that because but but um i wanted to talk a little bit about um this one imperial officer who had to have been about 11 or 12 years old um who was in impeccable uniform the entire time uh when we went on our shore leave he was in impeccable uniform but with a little panama hat oh my which god which is the funniest thing i've ever seen in my entire life and um we had very few we didn't talk but every time he and i crossed paths we would lock eyes and take a wide route around each other and just there was like sizzling tension of you're a bad guy and i'm a good guy and we hate each other um and at the very very end after after everything had wrapped the last breakfast he's still in uniform bless him um I walked up just to say hello and he puts his hand out and I put my hand out and we shake hands. Like that was well done, both of us. And it felt so good. Um, and on the flip side of that, very near the beginning of my journey, um, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do on this, um, on this experience. I have friends who are amazing costumers. I had friends who were coming on their first LARP experience. The five of us came, um, together and we were all there for different reasons. Um, I just wanted to be in the world. I thought, okay, I can be a press person. That's, that's it. That's done. Um, and I wasn't sure how well that was going to play for other people or if it was going to make game for other people. Um, but the first evening, a young woman who I'm going to put at about 13 or so, uh, came up to me with a notebook and started rattling off all of her theories that she wanted to make sure got to the press, um, because she had been, she was a junior reporter. And the two of us sat and compared notes and I gave her in-world tips about uh, staying away from sludge news and how to look for, (laughs) how to look for a reliable organization to write for. Oh my God. (laughs) And it was these moments for me that were just perfect. And none of them felt forced. There was never any self-consciousness, even for people who maybe weren't sure about LARP, weren't sure how to interact with folks the space just facilitated so many incredible interactions just like that. Um, and that's, you know, that's one reason why I really hope they don't just go the way of discovery Island and abandon it never to be seen again. <laughs> uh, so fun first four. I mean, I love how, I love how, oh. I was gonna say, uh, so fun first uh, order fact is that apparently there's a board in the background that if you start to just like murmur, about the first order, they put you up and they have this board in the background that says, can you be swayed one way or the other? And so the back, <laughs> the back end, like production team is playing this game to see if they can actually sway you to the first order and not the whole entire show. I love that. I wow. love that. That's amazing. Yeah. I do love how it's crafted in a way that like, I, I've told this story to a lot of friends and I have some friends who, you know, the words immersive theater are, kind of a dirty word to them like they they hate the idea of being pulled into things like there there's an audience that just doesn't go for it and that's fair but what i loved about this experience and what i told them was all you need to do is show up there's no requirement for anybody and there is a story and a hero story 
for anybody who just shows up. If you sit sit in the back of any of these, even whatever story you take, you can just have your nose in your data pad and do your thing and not really interact with anybody. And yet you are still an important part of the story. I, it, it's miraculous to me how, how it, it hits multiple levels for different levels of engagement. Dave, that's how they get you. Um, two in my party are diehard non-LARPers. Um, my, my partner and my friend's were, partner. Were, well, hold on, because yeah. my partner, my, my friend and I uh, have been LARPing for quite a while. We will travel, go to all sorts of links to get a good, a good game in. Uh, and both of our partners have said never, absolutely not, zero interest. This is so <laughs> mine too. Mine too. Well, they both came to the Halcyon with us, and uh, one left saying, "Hey, what's that thing you guys always talk about? That 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 LARP drop, LARP drop thing? I think I think I miss it, and I want to go back." Um, <laughs> and the other did his first uh, his first LARP this past weekend. So. Yeah. Oh, this is it. Yeah. Gotcha. And, yep. Yes. We yeah. we had a conversation, this gets a, a little bit ahead of us, like in, in our cabin about, you know, this was a machine for moving people down the classic waders, swimmers, divers, and mermaids chain. Like if you if if you came at one level, it was gonna you know seduce you to the dark side and bring you further down. But also it did a very good job of letting you step back at any moment. You didn't, you, you were not locked into playing in a certain way and particularly given how long it was. Anthony, mm-hmm. you and I have been playing in character in GE uh, in, in, a, in, a, in our very loose style of doing so for, for a long time. I was there when you built your first saber uh, at Savi's. That's Batu uh, West for those of you who can't decode Noah speak. Yes, uh, yeah, we were we were we were there. Um, been at this for a while, and uh, one, one of my one of my regrets is that we didn't get to go together. But you got to go, and I was so grateful that happened. What was what, what were your moments? What, what were your everyone's well, kind of taking a top two, so that goes oh, to you. Oh well. man, okay. So in the in the in the interest of being good, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to actually get come on. I'm, I'm leaning leaning way in. Um, yeah. I got see the problem. Everybody keeps asking like, what's your top three moments? There's so many. Um, so in, in no particular order, I'm going to give you three. All right of of all right the myriad. Um, I'm going to start. At, towards the end, all right. I'm gonna start at the end. The moment for me, where where I felt all of it, you know, because I've been in it. I, you know, I I came with high expectations and of what it was going to be, and it exceeded it. It exceeded what I was expecting. And you know, we're into the finale, and I'm watching what's going on. I'm kind of, you know. I'm kind of like, I know what's happening. I know what's going to happen. So I kind of get this because like it's building to a certain thing, you know, like Star Wars is in and of itself formulaic, but at the same time, there's this wonderful, beautiful moment and it's incredibly beautiful and it's incredibly cheesy at the same time. And it's when Ray is fighting, right. When she, she's in this big battle and, you know, she's like, and, he, and, and Kylo tells her, it's like, you fight for nothing. And she goes, we don't fight for nothing. We fight for everything. I lost my crap. I lost my crap. Like she jumps up and she does that thing. And I just like start, I'm sitting there weeping and, and, and I'm sitting and I'm sitting like right dead in the middle. Um, you know, like in, 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 uh, in area dash. Cause that was my, my section. Um, I'm sitting there on, on the, on the cushion 
and I, I look over and there's stuff, you know, cause right in the middle of things. And I just realized that I'm crying and I'm not the only person crying at that moment. You know, it's just like, it, it was, it was so big and beautiful and strangely, you know, with 500 people in the room, it's intimate at the same time. It's like, I, I, that's the, that is probably the biggest thing. It's like how intimate the entire experience is for being such a big thing. Like not even just the small moments, just like, it's so personal. It is so absolutely personal. If you've done it before, if you haven't done it, there are people who I know who like, you know, didn't give a crap about star Wars. They're like, okay, I'm coming in for the thing. There was apparently there was a family, um, who the husband likes star Wars, but he was like, yeah, you know, you guys are doing your thing. You're nerding out. And, uh, his, his family was having a good time and he ended up going to sublight and he had Chris. If you've been in sublight, you know, Chris, um, <laughs> Chris from Narshada. Um, uh, Chris being the wonderful, bitter person that he is took him down a couple of notches because the guy was like, ah, whatever. And he put him, brought him into the world. He brought him in the world by being like, you know, this former slave who's like, yeah, whatever it's people like you who did it. Like and he took him down and like something, you know, the guy was there. I looked over him at one point because somebody pointed out to him and like, he was like getting misty. That's a big deal, dude. You know? And it, it, that particular moment was so big and so beautiful. Um, was that, you know, that was the culmination of the, of the weekend for me. Um, and I got to start there because it was such a build to that point. Um, it, it was, nothing was wasted. Let's put it that way. Nothing is wasted from, mm. from meal service to, to just random interactions with, with people, you know, to looks, to nods, you know, just how you, you know, just how you do with these folks. It was, it was absolutely, there's no motion wasted. There's no interaction that's wasted and everything comes back in ripples. I mean, like the fact that you have this wonderful, amazing cast who were remembered, you know, remember things, remember who you were, remember names, remember faces, remember stuff that you give them. And, you know, from the blue shirts, you know, everybody, everybody remembered, you know, and because they remember things, they would, they would use that later on. They used to pull it back in, like your conversation did, you know, they would, they would use like a, like a, a look or a glance or something. Like I was kind of, for a lot of it, I was kind of playing on the outskirts. I wanted to watch other people play. Cause I have fun doing that. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm that kind of, kind of LARPer. Like I will, I will enjoy watching other people and every once I'll throw, every once in a while I'll throw my, my, my two cents in. Um, and, uh, um, I, uh, I looked up at one point and Wraith comes over and we had, um, I was there for, to, 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 to kind of put it in perspective. I was there the same weekend as Dave, um, uh, was there for August 31st to the second. You? We talked. Yeah. You oh, came so found me. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> it's like out um, of context, you know, right. Yeah. right? Oh no, there's totally like that. There, there are people who I followed. <laughs> Hi, hello again. There's people who I literally followed on Instagram for like you know like two, the last like five years, like, who were on our trip, and I didn't realize they were on our trip. It was like because like out of context, I was like, wait, were you were you there that weekend? Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god. Um, but it, it's very much that kind of thing. Like where, where people will use that stuff to come back and they'll they'll play with it. And you know, we had we had one guy who's you know because the for. 
if you if you didn't notice that you went on it, you know, a lot of the blue shirts, a lot of this, the, the the personnel, uh, the crew, they work in different positions. Not not everybody just works in one place. They work the gift mm-hmm. shop. They they'll do the bridge training. They'll serve you, you know, the food. They'll bus. It's which to me is wild. I mean, it's very it's very it's very much true to a cruise, but it's also very wild that they all did different things. You know, they didn't just do it. They didn't have one job. They had 20 jobs, right? And they acted. I mean, this is the, the, the thing that we, Noah and I said from a long time ago from BSO, first time we went there, but two, a lot of what makes it are the people who are there, the people who invest their hearts, their thoughts, and what they're doing into, into the play. And, yeah. you know, they, they come to play too, you know, and, and the fact that folks, you know, the fact that I remember, you know, remember Chris, right? I had lots of interactions with Chris, you know, not just because he's a great bartender, uh, chemist, excuse me, not just because he's a great chemist, but also just the fact that like, you know, yeah, exa- yeah, mine's over here. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like I remember him, I remember Crystal with the C as opposed to Crystal with the K, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's just, there, there's so many beautiful people who work on that who live on that ship. I won't just say they didn't work it. They lived in the ship. Um, that those interactions made it, made it amazing. Um, when, um, my, uh, my Wraith, I'm kind of, kind of trying to wrap up here. Cause I know it's a lot. It's a lot. It's so much. Um, so, uh, I ended up having a big part. I ended up being the slicer one of the two slicers for the, for the, for the heist. Um, you know, he basically is like, okay, you, Roan. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you slice, right? I'm like, going, yeah. He goes, good. You're my slicer. I was like, okay. And you know, I'm running back and forth. I'm doing, doing the, yeah, I think, I think we all do the heist. Um, and he, you know, we did this, we did, did the heist and afterwards, you know, all the stuff's going on. We're trying to get, um, Gaia off the ship and we're trying to get like all of the, you know, the, the, the explosives off. And, and at one point I'm just kind of like, I'm just standing there like, okay, I'm just, there's so much chaos happening. I'm just trying to figure out what to do. And he grabs me by my shoulders. He goes, Roan. He goes, I'm just, yeah. He goes, can I count on you to do something for me? I go, yeah. He goes, help Sasha, <laughs> help Sasha Kira. I was like, okay. And that's at that point where, where Croy is up the top going like, why do you need this? Why do you need the, you know? And uh, what's, what's the explosive? It's the fuel. Um, Coaxium. It's been that kind of, kind of month for me guys. Um, he uh he's like why do you need quax you know quaxium it's like why, why why you know she's like she's like it's it's mine and we're all like yeah yeah okay we're backing her up yeah it's 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 hers he goes why why would a saja who reportedly needs peace and love and why would you need quaxium for and she's like um um and nobody says anything and i'm like tell him it's like the force it's bright and it's powerful and it's it's a symbol <laughs> and she goes that's great because it's like the force. She's just like from my mouth, out of her mouth, and she goes, "Cause it's like the force." And he goes, "What? It's like the force." And Roan's gonna tell you about it. And she's like, "If you were there for that, Dave." She's like, "Roan's gonna tell yeah. you about it." And no, he's I like, remember that now. Oh. And he comes down. And he's like, oh, "One moment, I'll be right there." I'm just standing there, like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like literally, I think I said "poodoo." Like I think I actually said "poodoo." Out loud. Like, "Oh poodoo." She goes, "No, you'll be great. You'll be fine." Um. Long story short, he's like, explain to me. I'm like, going, well, you know, and I go, and I don't even remember fully what it said. Somebody, somebody, somebody videotaped it. Somebody took pictures and videotaped it. Um, apparently I did, a, I stood there for five minutes doing circular logic. You know, Quaxium's like the force. 
you know, it's like, why? Well, it's like, it's bright and it's powerful and it, you know, in, in the wrong hands, it can be dangerous, but like, it's also a power, it's, you know, a, a unfathomable, you know, tap of energy. He goes, well, I know what Quaxium is. Don't tell me what Quaxium is. How's it like the force? Well, it's like, you're missing it. So, and like, I don't even, I, I honestly don't even know the words that were coming out of my mouth because I was doubling back on myself. I was flip-flopping. I was like, see, the problem is you haven't ever studied and you haven't actually important questions about how the force is like the rest of the universe. He's like, no, no, I'm like, look, you've, you've dealt with the Supreme Commander. It's like, he taps in the force. It's the same way. It's Quaxium. We need it. It's like, but why do you need a Quaxium? It's like, because it's, because it's a symbol. He goes, I'm curious and I want to know more, but I need to go. <laughs> and I'm just like, did that just happen? That just happened. That's just, I just, I just stood totally, and like, we were like, there's a picture somewhere I have. It's like, we're like this close. And he's like in my face. I'm in his face. And it was like. Anthony, what I love about that though, is that like, you've, you've now created this bit of lore within your journey that other people can pick up and play with. So you've like created this one giant yes. And, um, it's canon. It happened yeah, on the it's ship. Canon, Therefore, it it's canon. Exactly. If it happened on the ship, it's canon. I, I, have, I have a story canon. about that. It's also yes, yay. It's yes, yay. Yes, yes, yay. Absolutely. I have a little story about that with the blue shirts. Like, uh, um, um, everybody, you know, brought stuff. What I loved was people that had been before, or even if they hadn't, there's this sort of cruise culture thing of bringing gifts for everybody. And so like, from the moment I got in line downstairs before we got on the shuttle, people were handing me shit. Like I got a little rock that's got the Chandra Star Lines logo on it. And, and my friends, Dan and Kat, who I traveled with made this badge that says learn Arabesh. Um, which I love. They were on an Arabesh uh, uh, educational mission, right? So that was really fun. I And they told me about that beforehand. So I actually brought, um, if you guys don't know, I started a thing in 2019 called Batu Pride. And it's basically, I realized when in 2019, when Galaxy's Edge opened, it was like, oh, wait, on gay days, there's going to be a Galaxy's Edge which means there should be gay days in the fucking space. So I created pins and I created like coasters and, and it was nothing at, at the beginning. I just like got 60 of my friends to make Oga's reservations all within an hour of each other. And we took it over with the red shirts and turned into a gay bar. Like it was, we had two marriage proposals. It was a lot of fun. Right. But it was, it was like throwaway. Like I didn't think anything of it other than this is this stupid little thing I'm going to do. And then Scott Trowbridge mentioned it on stage at galaxy at the, at uh, star Wars celebration he, in oh, the wow. fan segment, he talked about the saber meetups and the droid clubs and the marriage proposals and all the stuff that happens. And then he went and bought you pride. And he shows this, this slide with like my photos on it. Cause you know, I know him through the industry. And so he probably heard, saw me post about it on Facebook. And so I was like, okay, I guess this is a thing now that I have to do. So I've, <laughs> I've, I've going, not just as like, I do it on mini gay days in, in California and actual gay days in, in um, Florida. But it, the bigger thing is I have a threadless site where I ask queer Star Wars fans to create artwork and we sell t-shirts and it benefits a charity, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I brought the pins with me and I brought about 20 of them. And so I knew I had enough for the cast and the main cast all got one. And, um, and I gave one, the, the, the two most poignant moments were one where I went at the very last breakfast on Saturday morning, Lawson, who was one of the blue shirts. Lawson was a really Lawson, lovely guy. Lawson was the best. Lawson was the one I did the Kyber crystal for. Uh, okay. So, you know, the thing about Disney, when you're at that level, when you're like a, an area manager or a guest services lead, we all know that Disney has a very particular way of training those people. They have a body language, they have a vernacular, they have a way of handling the public, which we all recognize. And I instantly know, and it's great. Like Disney's nobody's better than Disney on how the non-actors deal with, with the public. Nobody. 
right? So he was great and he was gracious and lovely. And he came over to check in on us and I, we were all on a high and not wanting to leave. And so in, in world, he was very, very, he was doing the Disney guest services thing in world, which is so charming. And he saw my pin and you know, I don't want to clock anybody and, and, and say, Oh, you're queer. <laughs> it's, not, it's not my MO, but I was wearing one and he goes, Oh, that's lovely. What's that? And I reached in my pocket and I gave him one. And I said, this is a, I tried to stay in world. And I said, this is a twice yearly celebration on Batu of diversity within the galaxy. And he stopped and he looked at it and he looked at me just with the biggest grin in his face. And he said, uh, you know, thank you for this. And thank you for making sure the galaxy is a safe space for everybody to be themselves. I mean, cue the tears again. Like I'm. <laughs> and then, and I had a second moment. Let me just tack this on a second moment with that pin. And it was the night before it was after everything was done. I was sitting in the lobby, having my drink. And there's a family that's been very into it. Like mom and dad are cosplaying and they're awesome. They're super fun and awesome. And they, we had been talking and their kid was there and the kid notices my my pin and the kids maybe 13 14 and just lights up like a pinball machine oh my god a pride pin and i give it to him and i tell him what it is and, and i and i tell him in world and then i'm like out of world look here on on instagram you can find it at batu pride and they whip out their instagram and they're artists they're an artist and they want to show me all of their fan art and and we talk for like a half an hour and then the kid goes off to do something and mom leads into me and goes thank you for that um we our our kid is trans and only out for about the last year and the mom and dad were super supportive and cool and wow. i and, and they're like it's they don't really know a lot of gay we live in they're like we live in rural georgia we do, they don't have a lot of gay friends they don't have a lot of gay role models and i'm like oh, holy crap again i'm crying like that's not something that you expect at these things but the fact that it happened in world and it happened with a thing that I created in world was awesome. And so now that kid and I chat and they send me their new fan art and they follow back to pride and mm -hmm. mom checks in on me and goes, how you doing? Like I, the, the, the weirdest thing about this whole thing to me was, and I know this happens on cruises. Like it becomes this thing where you make a bunch of new friends and your actual friends in the real world. There's like 10 people on that cruise <laughs> cruise. There's 10 people <laughs> on that. On that, I keep calling no, we're it all sold. We're all sold. We all believe right. it's the cruise. Yeah, cruise. That, that I'm friends with online, and now all the Facebook groups, and there's the there's the drop group on on Facebook. There's a million of them, and so, you know, as a person who creates these these kind of not this level of experience, I would give my left tooth to be able to do something that's cool. But I've done a lot of theme park stuff, and there's a certain point in all of it when when you're done creating something like this where it's not yours anymore. And, and, and we all go through that as creators and you realize that it belongs to the audience and that's great. And you hope for that moment. I can't imagine being one of the creators of the show and watching what it has fostered in its audience. We, you, you never design this stuff thinking this is going to happen. You, you, you can't predict for it to happen. And so when it does, it, it is, it is the ultimate you know, like statement that this stuff belongs to the audience and becomes a product of the audience. I, I had a, a similar experience with that too. Um, on the trip, there was a, a, a young, a young gentleman that was there, was there with his family. And so him and his family are there and he was in a wheelchair and they turned his wheelchair into a snow speeder. And I was like, Oh, I got to follow this kid around. I got to see what's going on with this kid. And so every day they would change it into different like ships. And so I think it was a TIE fighter and a snow speeder and something else. 
um, to be able to do this. And it was his family that was going around with him. And I got this chance to go and sit down with the family. And they were like walking by on uh, level five. And I saw him on level five and I got to go sit down with the kid. And when I was talking to the family, um, this young man, he can only talk through a tablet. So he has all of his codes on the tablet, so he can't say anything other than with mm. the tablet and stuff. And so I got to be able to sit down and we just started like in character having this like conversation. And I was like, oh, I'm a storyteller from Jeddah. And we had this like conversation and everything. And he grabs, reaches out to his mom and like grabs the tablet as aggressively as he possibly can. And he goes, need more, need more. And just starts like pressing this to like tell these stories. And uh, the parents like, and so like, it was like all these like little interactions like that. And he was just like, need more, need more of like feeling empowered. And the parents came and found me like the breakfast the next day. And they were like, he was really, really shy. And now he wants to come. He was like wanting to play the whole entire rest of the trip. Yeah. There's a lot of tales of, 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 of all kinds of kids finding their voice, you know, finding their way into play, um, being reserved and, and stepping forward, having that alias, that alibi, which is what this work kind of provides. And I think the thing I'm, the trend I'm seeing, even when I've, I've heard some people who did not have good experiences, right? Like I want to honor their journeys too. And some people fell off tracks and, and didn't manage to, but even with those folks, I hear them talking about the connections they were making with others and, and, you know, somehow Disney managed to make the greatest fan experience that ever existed, even if it wasn't necessarily what they, what they set out to make in the first place. On that note, we've got, we've got a certain amount of time left. I think uh, we'll probably, if everyone can, I think we'll try and go for a half hour here, even though we're, we're up on about 20 minutes because we have a second part, which is to talk about the legacy, which I think I've sort of just cracked into. What is the legacy of Star Cruiser, which you could probably do for like another two hours, but, uh, but all the times, Jessica, I'm going to toss to you because so far, because you were part of the, the OG crew, uh, Catherine and, and Nicholas and myself, what's what's what what do you think the 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 legacy is here what's what what do you think the 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 ripple effect is going to be of of this thing if if indeed there is going to be one yeah i mean i think it's everything that we've just been talking about and more like everything all of this uh, you know all of the ways in which we get to blossom in this piece that feels massive legacy that feels butterfly effect legacy that feels like so many small ripples going out into the real world from this this space journey in ways that are so beautiful so those feel like a lot of there feels like there's a lot of invisible uh legacy and impact that's going to happen from this experience and i think one of the things for me is like on a personal level something i'm taking away is that i tend to come to immersive from the power of small interactions and seeing it on the scale at which we got to experience these this kind of interaction feels feels massive uh, to me to say like this is what it looks like big and big can still feel intimate um, and that's something that I've never really experienced outside of outside of this and so I think for those who who've been through on <laughs> within forever Halcyon there's just something about that um, the way in which this pay, play, this piece plays around with the scale of an experience um, from emotional intimacy to 
massive sets and massive undertakings and epic narratives where every single person that I have talked to has felt the impact of it as an individual while still noting the fact that it is epic in scale. That's That to me is so novel um, and so almost impossible outside of uh, the kind of resources that went into this piece. And so that as a, a bar feels feels really um, interesting to to like see what comes next in the world that might come into that kind of like zone of, of bigness, um, bigness and intimacy. And so that feels like a big one. And then I went to a talk from uh, Carol Murphy, who is one of the, was one of the directors in the piece today about ritual that was so lovely. And one of the things they talked about in depth was uh, what it's like to, to enter into and leave character. Um, and some of the things that they had used as as rituals backstage on the Star Cruiser. And that was amazing new information to me today. And so I think thinking about the the norms of how we take care of performers and really acknowledge the fact that this is deep and yeah. challenging work and that we are the performers are so, as we've been saying a million times over, so present. And what it's like to care for for a team that is creatively bringing their all to a project at all times. The things that they were talking about felt really, really exciting. So I think talking to Caro, talking to Andy Crocker a couple of weeks ago about, you know, like what went into some of that lightsaber training. Um, and so I think that the skills that have gone into the, we have so much expertise now on this scale. So the ways in which they are able to filter this information out into the world. I know Michael Tara Garb is doing a lot of this too. How does this information get out there? How do we learn from the bigness of these projects that we can we can apply to the all the scales that we create at, that feels like big question marks and high excitement on my end. I'll I'll pause there. There's so much more, but I'll pause there. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I I think, like I said, we could all each of us just one on one could go for like two or three hours, and some of us have. Uh, Nicholas, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack it open for you and crack it open for Catherine. Then I'm just gonna like toss it out to whoever wants to kind of jump in. Uh, sure. So I think I kind of have two things too. Um, and also one is like an audience hat and it gets very similar to Jessica. One is an audience hat. One is a designer hat. Um, I met so many people who had been to Galactic Star Cruiser who went back or wanted to go back. And all of them said in this kind of like amazed way, oh, I did it wrong the first time. Right. Like mm-hmm. So many people said that. And, and what they meant yeah. was, I got there, I didn't know what it was, and then things started happening to me and I suddenly realized what this was. And I, and since I since I teach and study interactive narrative and have for over 20 years, I'm just going to say it, it's a LARP. It's a LARP. It's just a, yeah, it's a different kind yeah, it's, it's a LARP. And, and you said it too, like, I'm, I'm just reinforcing what you said, is that people kind of LARPed and they didn't know what they were doing, but they LARPed. And now they know what a LARP is and now they want to LARP, right? Like those people wanted to LARP and they just didn't, realize that's what a LARP was because they had no context for it. And I think the, the if, you, if you talk about the legacy of the piece, I think people who went there, I don't know if they know that. Yeah, we can, Jessica's indicating in the chat that it's not a LARP. And Jessica and I, given that we have other conversations, we'll just fight about it elsewhere. But um, like, I, what I, like let, let's leave aside whether it was a LARP or not, because that's a debatable point in this in this podcast. Um, it's uh, like the force always the is and is not yeah. are made together. Always the LARP and not LARP Ain't happen correct. at the same correct. time. My, my, I, I am the LARP and the LARP is with me. I, what I would say <laughs> consistently though, is that um, 
anybody who had that particular experience, which I think was a lot of people, is now primed to have a LARP experience. Like they're yeah. ready now to do that. And that's something that um that's something that 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 LARPs struggle with, right? That's something that 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 people out people thinking about, hey, how would we get people into this form struggle with? Mm -hmm. And they kind of just did it. They that they did it. That's how you do it. Like, or that's a way to do it, right? Is like that. Um, so I think that was very powerful. And then as a designer, and this is just I'm just quoting Graham Wetterhan here. I'm just kind of representing his argument here because I agree with it entirely, but it's his. I don't want to take credit for it. Um, the separation of gamey, questy stuff goes in app and performy human stuff goes in actors. Great, great, great. 100%. That's how it should yeah. work. And I didn't, I mean, I'll just be straight that like, you know, I didn't think the game activities were anything super hot in and of themselves. So it's like not something that really compelled me in the experience, but I love that that whole layer was just pushed off into something that didn't have to take up actors time. And that's a model okay. that everyone can use. And, and, and again, quoting Graham, Graham was just like, they solved it. That's how you solve it like that. Right. He was like yeah. that blunt about it. Um, and I, and I agree with him. I think that, that there was a lot of that. And if you go back through the history of some of this stuff, and I'm thinking of like things like Evermore Park uh, in Utah, you can see how like this is a learning you can actually bring to pieces and do things to yeah. to make better narratives out of them. Catherine, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce it to you and then and then crack it open wide right. out, well, out of the structure thing I... <laughs> you've been doing. I'm going to say my piece, and then I'd like to read something at the end, if that's okay with everyone. Yes, please. Sure. So between the nine of us on this call, we've probably seen 1,500 you know, different shows across cities, states, countries. Um, so this is there's some learnings that I think are, from an audience perspective, new, right? Like the power of immersive and interactive experiences and why so many people I've spoken to in the fandom come away feeling that it was life-changing, they were transformed, they have new hobbies, new friends. If they were feeling bereft and lost, they found their community. So just to kind of take a step back, we all, I think, as designers and lovers, lovers of the stuff, we think about agency all the time. Your bog standard Disney guest does not, right? They don't think about the ability to enact change. But in this experience, we made our own decisions those choices matter. And I know that that was one of the founding design principles. And in your everyday life, a lot of times, it doesn't feel like you have agency. It doesn't feel like you're making decisions that matter. Your choices don't matter. You're doing what work expects you to do, what your friends expect you to do, what family expects you to do, what school expects you to do. So for a lot of people, stepping on board the Halcyon, that was their first taste of having agency as a player. Mm. They, it was also their first taste of their presence matters. Right. Like I remember talking to LA Reviews editor Kevin Gossett being like, oh, hey, how was the show? And he was describing a show where like he didn't really have narrative agency. But I was like, well, did it feel like you being there made a difference? And he's like, yes, yes, it does. So when you're on the Halcyon, when you're on Galactic Star Cruiser, it feels like you being there matters. Right. Mm -hmm. That story does not move forward without you. Even if the plot does not change from voyage to voyage, mm -hmm. we are present. We are there. Our presence matters, and we are all experiencing something together as a community. And then just in terms of, like, the LARP aspect, the cosplaying, like, a lot of us here probably bend more towards that I'm going to make a character kind of person that we're 
we are actually making different characters that are perhaps different from our personalities, our preferences, our histories. A lot of the folks on Star Cruiser were not. They were not necessarily themselves. I believe that a lot of the people on the ship were role-playing that idealized version of themselves. It's like Alan Lee says, when I play an escape room, I'm like the smartest version of myself, right? So when you're on the Halcyon, maybe you're braver, bolder, more confident, more willing to stand up for what you believe in, right? Maybe it's a version of yourself that you want to wish into being, but you've never had a chance to articulate it before, right? So through that environment, through the mechanics and the tech and the structure and that building, we had a safe place to play. Now, as immersive lovers, we often try to make those kinds of places. We find our, that we're constructing those places with our friends. But for, again, that like more average Disney guest, that's new. That's different. A safe space to play, to try things out, to be brave. As Jenny Weinblum once said, a rehearsal for resistance. How can we possibly be the best versions of ourselves? And I've definitely spoken to people who have been on the ship, and they wish they could be the person that they were when they were on the Halcyon every day of their lives. That has power, and back of the napkin math tells me around 70 to 75,000 people all got a taste of that. Yeah. 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 Catherine, that's beautiful, and I'm sorry to jump in because I think the next step for people who love, who, who are in our shoes here or listening to this podcast who really love this format is to find the right language to talk about it because we can joke about whether it's a LARP or not, but the reality is something really powerful happened. And Catherine, I know you and I have been engaged with um, a fan on social media who was asking for more information about productions like, like this. Mm. And some people, myself included, brought up um, some really high production LARPs and his immediate response was, well, we've, we've, veered into the discussion about LARP and I really don't want LARP. I want something more like the star, the star cruiser experience. <laughs> so trying to like find blessed and cursed bridge. at the same time, right? Yeah. You've experienced <laughs> high watermark, the best of the best execution, every detail, every little sign, every droid, every staff member, the people in front of house, people back of house, everything they fed you, everything you drank, everything you touched yeah. reinforced all, you were in that world. All of which is, all of which is important and good. I will go back to the er moment of, of no pro. And when I was at, then she fell in, in those moments connecting with actors. I who ran LARPs was like, Oh, this is what I was looking for when I was running a LARP. Right. I'm here as myself. I've shown up as myself. I get to be authentically me. I don't have to take on, I, I can choose to take on a character if I so choose, but the most important part is me with the person across from me and, yeah. and the, yeah. this moment of playing together. Right. Dave. Yeah. The, 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 I'm, I'm going to go back to something that James said. And my takeaway from it all is actually not necessarily the positive part of it, but the, the, and we all deal with this in immersive theater and LARPing of people mm -hmm. that want to game it or want to fuck it up. And, and, and I did not, uh, I actually experienced some of that. I've, I experienced some people who were not, cognizant of the social contract of immersive and not cognizant of the guardrails put into this pseudo LARPing experience and constantly trying to put their, their, their narrative into the narrative. And, and, and it, uh, you may remember him Anthony, from our thing. He was the guy that had the lost loft cat 
uh, flyers, which was really oh, funny. The first oh, you were on the Lapcat, you that is legend. That is, yeah, that okay. is legend. Here, I don't want to call the guy out as as a bad guy. All right, no, just, if he's listening, here's my take on it. It was very funny the first night. It was really hysterical the first night. But the moment I'm there with Ray and she's facing off with Croy, as soon as she starts to leave, he like stops her and hands her a flyer. I was like. Mm. We've all had to deal. We all know that those performers are going to be out there. My takeaway from it is not necessarily that he's wrong. It's that the training of the performers has to be at a level that accepts that and that accepts the the bad stuff too. And and to another point we made about how the performer, the human performer, care and emotional care for that person that is unprecedented. Uh, for for uh, in terms of scale, so the scale takeaways for me here are not function of how it's going to work, the the digital side of it, how many people are doing it, capacity, none of that. We we can figure that out. That's the easy part. The hard part is how do you do it at scale emotionally, and and, and how do you and, train everybody? How do, how you, do train, you train everybody? How do we make more cures? How yeah. do we make more Saja cures? Who's got the formula for that? And and it may not be entirely formulaic, but in the same way that we can train great stage actors or we can train great film actors, like you, there has to be a spark, but there's also method. Yeah. And that's the thing that is the most interesting thing to me, because the thing that I came out of that thing thinking first off was we may not be able to pour the concrete. We may not be able to get the plexiglass, but we damn well as sure as hell can get the human interaction that anyone who's determined to do that, even if all they have is cardboard sets, they can create those moments if they want to aim for it. And kind of like the way when you go to a team lab for the first time, sorry to, to, uh, to, 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 to divert. Uh, so jealous. And, and, yeah, and yeah. you've been to stuff where someone looked at Instagram, saw a team lab and then tried to recreate it based off the Instagram, you know, you get a lot of that in immersive as well. Someone hears about it and then doesn't understand what it was they were actually trying to do. And, and this level of obsession with creating those moments, which is also when the people, when people didn't necessarily get into that. And I know there are people out there who like didn't get to have those kinds of moments and they feel outside of that. That's kind of the problem, the question, but a lot of, for a lot of those people, it's because like so many people said so they want to go back and do it right. They didn't know that was on offer, mm-hmm. right? They didn't know it was something that was possible. And so they didn't go looking for it. Jay. I've not been able to stop thinking about ever since, because yes, I, I, I was on a cruise with a lot of people who had the, now that it's over, I want to do it again. I don't think I did it right. And I keep thinking about, I forget which year it was at the immersive design summit. Uh, and I'm going to butcher her name. But it was, um, uh, I think it was Johanna Kolyonen, who's a Nordic LARP designer, came over and did a presentation about Nordic LARP. And she said this thing that has never, I've never been able to forget, which is she said that when she runs her multi-day LARPs, day one is training. Hmm. They don't start the story on day one. They spend an entire day on training the players on how to behave and if they want something to happen and if they want to drop out of fiction and if they're having a problem, what do you do? And it's not just telling them what to do. They practice it until they feel comfortable. Now, the money means there's no way Star Cruiser could have done that. Mm-hmm. But I really wish there had been a little bit more of that, of just a little bit more uh, 
opportunity to practice, to feel comfortable in the space. Because what I saw a lot of is I saw a lot of people self-censoring. I saw a lot of people having questions, but not wanting to ask them because they felt like they were going to be punished for doing something wrong. And if there was a way to hold people's hands at the beginning a little more and, and give them tools so they could ask questions when they felt lost, I think it would have solved so many of those experiences of people feeling like they had done it wrong. Leah, um, you, you, you put know, some stuff in during the chat. I, I did. I just sometimes I forget that um, the the onboarding for a game is not universal. Um, and then I'll go to an immersive experience where it doesn't exist. And it's just how you're supposed to exist in that space is so opaque. So when a, an immersive experience really gets it right, it stands out. I felt like Disney did a good job with this, considering um, there were moments of practice, especially, you know, as we find our our stations as we go through the um, the the training um, videos when we first come in, you know, there's there's some of it, but you're right. I, I really do wish that there had been more more magic circling a little bit. Sure. I think I really I think wonder a- if there was ever a moment where they considered having one room completely out of fiction. Oh, I that wonder. if you just mm. felt like you were overwhelmed or you had a question or I'm not getting anything. Is my app broken? You could just go through a door and you could just drop the pretense. I think think there's a missed opportunity there in, in the pre-voyage. Like we all know the marketing stunk, right? Let's just say that. Yeah. Right. Like the marketing was terrible. Wait, there was marketing? Yeah. In telling my story to friends, in telling my story to friends, I had a lot of friends who have plenty of money, (laughs) Who either, I would say a good 75% of them were like, I had heard of it, but I didn't know if it, what it was. But now that I hear your story, I would go. Or 25% of my friends were like, I'd never heard of it at all. And they have the money to go. Yeah. And they're the per- they Ooh, would the, the I would go closer go. to 45%. I would yeah. say 45%. So yeah. I have a people feeling. People who love immersive, people who love Star Wars, people who are just the right audience for it had yeah. no idea. I have a, I have a friend who uh, I went to, to lunch with afterwards. And I had not planned on talking about this over the entire two-hour lunch. But we did because he's a burner. He's a burner. He's a long-time burner. And we were catching up about the burn because it had gone so weirdly this year. And he's like, what have you been up to? And I'm like, I did the Star Cruiser. What's that? And he, I told him about it. He had tears in his eyes by the time I was, I was finished because he was so pissed that he wouldn't be able to do it. We actually, Catherine and I actually talked. We tried to get him into a into a cabin in the last month, but he, he couldn't make the, the date work. So to me, a lot of that that ask of the audience is twofold. Part of it is the marketing. Part of it is also Disney's legendary for once you book something, they send you emails and they send you app alerts. There was no reason they couldn't do a, you know, 400 person Zoom call a, 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 a month or a week before this happened that just yeah. mom or dad in the truth. Not everybody has to join and it's going to be half an hour of your day, but join it because we'll get, we'll answer your questions. Right. To me, that's the that, that's the kind of thing that Disney could do at scale. Because they already kind of do it in their marketing. They already kind of do it in customer outreach. So I think that I think that a lot of what you're talking about in terms of our morning can happen before you even step foot on property. I completely agree. And I think it's a giant missed opportunity. Maybe I hope that they dare to do something of this nature again and, and learn some of these lessons. Here's the order of battle as we as we head to the jump to light speed to get us back to Chandrilla and home for the last time. Leah's going to finish up uh, what she would say, uh, Nicholas, and then it's going to be James Catherine J. Leah, go. Um, 
you know things are real here because everybody started raising their hands in the air, um, and everyone is bouncing. Yeah, I've, never seen, I've never seen such uh, organized chaos. Just four more hours. Just four more hours. Look, I would if, if I, I, there's a friend who's in town just for the night. So I got to I gotta go connect. But, uh, but yes, Leah, go. So you asked what, what you asked us a while back to think about what the um, the legacy for for the Halcyon would be, and you also mentioned um, being able to train people and really train people in the spark of interaction. And I think that's what the legacy is here: is you're going to have seventy five thousand children um, who maybe didn't go see the first Star Wars movie, but did get on one of these voyages, uh, and in 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to have people creating the next big thing that is exactly this because, and they're going to point to this experience and say, this is, this is why, this is how, this is where I first saw that it was even possible. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the velvet underground of immersive Nicholas. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to contradict anything that Jay was saying or Dave was saying about what they could do with on-ramping or how it could have been better. Right. Like I don't, I, I don't mean that at all by what I was saying. And, and I, it sounds kind of negative what I was saying, but I, I don't think of it negative is for one second. Like the reaction was the reaction I get when I teach people how to role play. It's the exact reaction I get when I teach people how to role play, which is it takes them an hour of like stumbling around and asking permission and asking permission. And I'm good at this now, so I do it faster than that. But there's a point where the light goes off and they're just like, wait, I can burn down the barn. Wait, I can like steal all the horses. I, wait, 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 wait. I could just go talk to that kid. And then they, their heads explode. And then, it, and then they see what it is. Like they finally understand what it is. And there's a magic, and that's what I saw. I mean, I'm talking about a bunch of people, some of whom actually did spend an extra, you know, one point something K or more to go back to an experience because they were so compelled by it that they didn't want to have done it wrong, right? And I and I think that like what 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 that is for I think people of that, you know, people in that space, right? Again, to to, to Catherine's point of like we're 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 crazy jaded veterans. Right. But like to people who don't have that experience, who would say like, Oh wait, a LARP. No. Right. Like, is it, it, it gave them a piece of that that was approachable in a, in a context they knew in a frame that was comfortable for them where they could shine. And that I think it, there's a, ma- and, and again, and children in particular, I wasn't thinking that way, but that was like definitely true that, that there's something really incredible about that. And it, and it speaks to a potential, for the form that is amazing if we start to think that like, oh, more people could feel permission to engage that way if they want to. Um, that that just that just means whole new kinds of experience become possible. The the wall that's up at the edge of LARP that just keeps all the creative the non-creative users out, right? Could start to break, right? And and all the LARP people on the other side screaming, it's like it's you don't have to be nervous about doing this. You don't have to be scared of it. It's not, we're not asking you to do anything performative. We're not like, we just want yeah. you to play with us. Yeah. Um, we can start to get over that wall in a way. And I think that's, that's the legacy of this piece more than anything else from the audience is that's a whole bunch of people got over that wall um, without even yeah. realizing they were crossing it. And now if they just get shown like, Oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. And we start making stuff that's a little bit more approachable to them. We have a whole new, um, you have no window of immersive that could exist. James. Um, so real quick, just to kind of summarize everything. And uh, and I didn't get a chance to say this, but I want to say uh, a huge thank you to Cameo Woods. Because uh, she was the one that was shepherding for me uh, when it when I went into the experience. And I told her. Sherpa. Like, Sherpa Halcyon Sherpa. Sherpa. <laughs> and I told her, put me in 
the position to be in every storyline. Put me in the place where I could be the main character and do all that stuff. And she did a great job with it. And the thing that she told me when we get in there, and this is like what I took away as like my summary for what the Halcyon is, is to uh, the focus should always be on respecting and honoring everyone's journey. So no matter how they want to participate, no matter where they're at with the experience is giving space for their journey to be shared with other people. And the Halcyon, what I loved about it was that it did have a storyline. It was a linear storyline that went from point A to point B, but they did a great job of structuring it so that your internal storylines, these smaller little things could participate inside of it. And when we create these like immersive experiences and we think about our budgets, we think about our timelines, we think about all the things from a producer standpoint is we're like, oh, I have 45 minutes. I got to make sure my point is made in that 45 minutes. But we don't really think about what that experience looks like for the audience and how they can participate. And what I loved about that Halcyon is they kind of created that for us. And from, from a larger scale standpoint... I would consider, and I would say this, Dave, 80% of my friends had no idea what I was going to. I was freaking out for like 48 hours before and nobody had any idea what was happening, which I was like, that sucks because a lot of people are just going to see this as a thing that Disney did and forget about it. But for a lot of, but what that does is it opens up a lot of opportunity for people who did get to experience it. We've now gotten to see what Mm. this peak of budgets and experiences are. So now, just like Jessica said, how do we take the elements? How do we incorporate all those things into what we're creating now? Because we did get lucky. We did get a chance to see something that, well, according to my trip, that a lot of drunk people thought that when I told them I was an immersive producer, that I'm there to research it, to put it back on in 2025, which was the rumor <laughs> that was going around. I was trying not to happen, um, is that we do. We do have an opportunity and chance to take a lot of these elements. And I think that this is really going to set the standard. For no matter what scale of project you're working on, this really, I think, is inspirational for anybody who gets to participate in it. Catherine, then Jay, then Anthony. So to build off what Nick and James have been saying, I don't think it's just an opportunity. I think we have a responsibility as an immersive community for this audience whose eyes have been opened, whose spirits have been awakened. Star Cruiser lit the spark. We got to bring the fire, everybody. Jay. So at the beginning of this whole thing, Noah, you, uh, you, when you were introducing me, you, you mentioned some of the, uh, the, the origin stories behind No Percentium. And I go back to some of those dinners that we had at your house, however many years ago it was, you, me, Sarah Thatcher, a bunch of other people. And the most meaningful part of my Star Cruiser experience was seeing things in that experience that we talked about at those dinners. I like specific things that we were talking about 12 years ago. And it makes me so proud and thrilled and happy for Sarah that she was able to take all of this stuff that we have been talking about for so long forever and make it real. And make it real. And, you know, to, on the on the Velvet Underground um, idea, you know, we all we all come to this profession because we had some sort of uh, lightning experience that opened our eyes. For me, it was playing the beast, the AI um, uh, uh, alternate reality game. And 
you know, when I was working on um, Lizzie Bennet Diaries, like one of the best things about doing that project was seeing that happen for other people. Yeah. And running around Star Cruiser and listening to everyone talking about Star Cruiser, there are so many people that are going to make this their career now, that are going to change mm -hmm. the path of their life and figure out I, what to do with this because they can't not. And it's just going to be incredible to see what comes of it. This is this is uh, this is um, 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 Woodstock for nerds. Let's just put it out there right now. This yeah. is that's Woodstock literally for nerds. what Adam Stackhouse and I decided it is. It's immersive Woodstock. It's we immersive Woodstock. You guys, we're yeah. going to be we're going to be talking about this ten years I, from now. Going, you had to be there. <laughs> it's true. There's going to be people who pretend to be there, and, and we're not going to be able to Wait, know whether or not they went. It's going to be, be Halcyon on, on 1999. We're going to have Halcyon 1999. <laughs> hold on, hold on. There, there really say, is. Have you guys heard about the the Passenger Manifest? Yes, it's still going. Wait, yes. Yeah, it's still it's going. A, it's so the Passenger Manifest is a Google Doc uh, where everyone who has gone is welcome to submit pictures and their information about their their character. And the manifest is going to get printed up and turned into a little book or whatever. James is submitting uh, yeah. the form right now. I can tell. Please. Yeah, yeah. Please yeah make sure make sure we get those links. links. Share links internally. Sorry, everyone was listening. Only <laughs> only if we can verify. I want to see your pin before I hand you those links. But yeah, because uh, right. all of our characters have to go in because they're canon. Anthony. Um. Two things. Uh, first, I think the biggest legacy of this is that it's proof that it works uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and what I'm what I when I say it it's proof that if you take the time to build something take the time to get the right set of cast and crew and to write something that makes people want to be present one of the coolest things about like like I, I was listening to the writing, like the stuff what they were doing. And one of the things that just echoes over and over and over again, it's being here. You know, Wraith is just like, okay, this is the moment. This is the time. Let's be present. I want you guys all gather over here. Okay, we're here. And this is the time right now. It was over and over. And everybody's dialogue, everybody's dialogue was be present, be here. Um, and because of that, it made you want to be there. You know, it was this wonderful subliminal thing that was like, be where you're at. Um, you know, don't like, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I forgot about work. I forgot about Instagram. I forgot about troubles. I forgot about my bills. No email, about... no current events, no news. Right. Um, yeah. Same thing J James put in here is like, you forgot to put, record. I had this horrible balance. I didn't take as many pictures as I, as I thought I was going to take because it was about, about being present and documenting it. And I wanted to be present. So like, I had, I have some random videos where it's like, I just kind of record it and I wasn't looking. And so like, I got like somebody's back over dialogue, you know, because I wanted to be there. And the thing that Disney does very well, and it's always done well, is make you want to be present in the moment, via, whether it's smells or FOMO or, um, or, uh, uh, you know, just like giving those little small moments, um, and they did all of that. They, like, like the fact that we can have a major character, you know, it's good or, good or bad. Major character basically like stop to take the moment to, to look at a poster, you know, a Lothcat poster to stop. Um, you know, I've read some stories about some of the Make-A-Wish kids, you know, um, 
who, you know, not knowing that they were necessarily make a wish, but they went out of their way, you know, to have a moment with a kid that, that people had to stall for, you know, for the scene, you know, like they're stalling in another scene because they couldn't leave yet because they're getting in their earpieces. Like, nope, nope. Chewbacca's got to make this, you know, Chewbacca's walking this one kid. It's going to take him extra time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. The kid with, there was a kid, I guess, uh, that had, there was had a the cancer one. patient yeah. with Chewbacca and they ran into the staircase and the kid was like, go without me. And Chewbacca was like, no, 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 we're doing this. So a crew member, the child, and Chewbacca slowly walked down the stairs one step at a time. And Lieutenant Croy is in the engineering room, starts repeating lines. And everyone's like, why is this taking so long? Why is Croy repeating himself? Because dad was in the basement and didn't know this was happening. And found out later that Chewie and a cast member had gone out of their way to delay every other actor for 10 minutes so that this boy whose leg had been amputated due to cancer could walk down the stairs with a Wookiee. Wookie, yeah. That's how yeah. much they care. That's how much they care. And and it's, it's not, and the thing is like, as beautiful as that is, it's like, it's not just those. It's like for the adults too. I mean, you know, it's the fact that, you know, Dave, you know, Saja took the time to sit with you and talk about your story. You know, the fact that, um, you know, I saw Ray come in and sneaking in and it was like, okay, let Ray go do her thing. And she stopped me. She goes, what's your name? And I was like, yeah. going, Roan. Because I, I bumped into her. I was walking out of something else. She says, Roan. She goes, Roan. It's like, are you with the resistance? And I was like, yeah. And she, I got this moment. Like I had a bunch of big moments because they took the time to make those moments happen for not just one person, not just 20 people, but for everybody. So, and I know not everybody got moments, um, but like some people got, I think people got moments, didn't realize they had moments, you know, cause that's kind of how it works. You know, they had moments with cast members. They had moments with the blue shirt, blue coats, you know, people had moments at the bar with people who had moments with each other. Like, like we keep saying here, it's like, we've created a space that was safe to play in. And the fact that Disney, Disney made this thing where I don't think people realize what they made. They don't know what they made. And, yeah. and I would hope that part of the legacy is them realizing that they made this, they made a thing it, 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 that, that, that is, that is so beautiful that people get a chance to be, be together again, you know, together in, they made, they made community. They managed to make community. Like how do you make community like that? And I, and I, and I think that's the, that's my big takeaway. Uh, Dave and I know Jessica, but Dave's responding. You, you, I mean, you go all the way back to Walt sitting on the park bench at the carousel and not having anything to do with his kids. Like we all know that story. That's the, 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 what caused Disneyland and, and what's gotten in our way in the 50, 60 years of Disneyland and Disney world is capacity and, 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 and operations and, and those things that make that kind of connection hard, but it started with a connection. It started with a connection with their own kids. And, and one of the things that I, I love talking to people about is when they go, Oh my God, the $6,000 Star Wars hotel, what family can afford that? I'm like, ask every family that was on my voyage because there were a ton. And my favorite thing about it was not that, I mean, there were a ton of families in cosplay getting like doing it, but there was also families that was like dad in a golf shirt and shorts who was just there to have a drink and watch his kids have fun. And by the end, we're leaning forward. And that's what that's what Disney wanted. Like, th th this is the most distilled um, reduction sauce of what Disney does in the most pure, raw, heavy duty format you can make. 
Like it, 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 I, with no hyperbole, I say this is the best thing Disney's ever as Disney's ever done because it 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 capitalizes, <laughs> for better or worse, on that idea of of uh, of an older generation and a younger generation bonding over a common experience. That's what this is. End of statement. Yeah, Jessica, I know you had your hand up in 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 the bouncing uh, bounce party we were having there uh, in Zencaster. All right, y'all, let's do this. You ready? Yeah. Together? As one. As one. one. As one. As one. <laughs> that's, that's a little... Jessica, you want to try that again with everyone? Yeah, else? I would love to try that again. We're not ready. I won't cut this My heart. Right, Jessica. I can't. All right. Together as, as one. one. As one. <laughs> nice and digitized. All right. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take us home here in a second. Catherine, you had something you wanted to Should read. Should I do it I, after you or uh uh I don't know what you're gonna read. If you'd okay. pre-cleared with me, I would have said, Oh sure, but you didn't. So go read now and then I'll take it. Okay, us out. well Anthony knows what it is. Okay, go for it. Okay. <clears throat> Good night, Halcyon. With apologies to Margaret Wise Brown. Good night, Galaxy Mural and Red Benches. Good night, Mechanic and his wrenches. Good night, cast members on the phones. Good night, ship announcement tones. Good night, pod, where we lit our sabers. Good night, milk of green and blue flavors. Good night, Rodian and Twi'lek. Good night, cheater, Sabak Deck. Good night, Lieutenant and Bucketheads. Good night, Space Windows and Foldout Beds. Good night, Captain and Cruise Director. Good night, Matching Planets of each sector. Good night, Top and Bottom Bunks. Good night, Mysterious Cargo Hold Trunks. Good night, Ray and Kylo Ren. Good night, Secret Resistance Pins. Good night, Saja and Astromech. Good night, dangling chandelier rack. Good night, our courageous Wookiee. Good night, orange pill-shaped cookie. Good night, Mustafarian breads and dip. Good night, our beloved ship. Good night, Miriolin and his pacto set. Good night, friends. I'll never forget. How dare you? How absolutely dare you? I'm a mess it's, over here. It's not <laughs> goodbye. It's Tabuite. 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 Once again, I want to thank everybody who came through. Dave, Jay, James, Leah, Anthony. Jessica, Nicholas, Catherine. I have to get through everyone's names. There's so many people. Um, that's it for this week. I know I could I could wax poetic about Star Cruiser. I could also, you know, get into the ifs and hands and whys and what fors. Uh, we'll save some of that for another day. I, I know we're not done talking about it in in the sense of its impact and its legacy and the lessons to be learned uh, from everything about it. 
uh, indeed, I hope to get a few more uh, a, f- a few more serious looks at this uh, at the design and construction of this as time goes on, uh, because there are a lot of lessons uh, to be derived from the experience both inside and out of Star Cruiser. But for this week, for right now, uh, in the, the the week after the final voyage, as a lot of people are experiencing a whole lot of LARP drop. Uh, and uh, a big shift in their lives. And for so many people, they're, uh, they're having to move on to a new chapter in their career. Uh, and with that in mind, uh, we're going to uh, draw this episode to a close. And uh, all of you are, who, who worked on the Star Cruiser are definitely in our thoughts right now. We will talk to you next week. Next episode's already in the can. Uh, we're, we're rolling strong uh, through the end of uh, 2023 here for the podcast. Lots to come. Uh, and I think, um, is there a bye? There is a bye week uh, coming up uh, in just a, a few weeks, our traditional uh, week off uh, around my birthday. Uh, so that'll, that'll be happening. But uh, until then... Uh, I just want to thank our associate producer, Parker Sella. I want to thank Chris Porter, who does our music. Uh, Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar the Podcast. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. And this podcast, well, it's my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show.